The workers around me have lives full of problems. The ones that were with me on the bus, in the jail, on the airline, they were all crying. They had taken on debts. Some of them had sick mothers and sisters. Some had no home. I knew one man from Char Sadda who sold his house to travel to Qatar. Hi, my name is Dunya and welcome to Global Majority Voices, a podcast by Equidem that is fundamentally grounded in the stories of the migrant workers that we speak with, that have been exploited and faced abuse and are brave enough to speak out. They've trusted us to share their story and we want to make sure that we always do them justice. You just listened to first-hand testimony from Umar Farooq, a migrant worker employed by a company called Stark Security Services as a security guard during last year's FIFA World Cup in Qatar. We spoke with hundreds of workers like Umar, who told us stories of abuse, exploitation and extortionate illegal recruitment fees just to get to Qatar. The men we've spoken to feel ignored by Qatar and forgotten about by their home country, Pakistan. So, we want to share their story using their words only. This is about a group of workers who peacefully stood up for their rights and were treated terribly in return. My name is Abid Ali Khan. I'm 22 years old. I belong to Shab Qadir Peshawar. My name is Muhammad Tayyab. I belong to Dar Adam Kail. And finally, Umar Farooq. I belong to District Sabat from the province Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, from the Bahrain subdivision. For these three men and nearly all of the 80 Stark security employees we spoke to from multiple countries, they travelled to Qatar on an Azad visa, also known as an open visa or freelance visa. The visa sponsorship simply allows them to get into Qatar. They then need to find employment with a different company. I loaned money, sold jewellery, faced many different issues and left to Qatar. I paid 15,000 Qatari riyal for my visa. I procured the visa for approximately 15,000 Qatari riyal. And then I spent an additional 90,000 Pakistani rupees on my ticket and travel. I took a big risk, procured a visa through an agent. It took about five to six months for the visa to be ready. Then I arrived in Qatar and stayed in my room for about a month. I faced issues with residents, but whatever came my way, I thought to myself, good days are ahead. Paying recruitment fees to agents or sponsors is illegal in Qatar, but the practice remains widespread through lack of enforcement. For many workers in the same position as Umar, Mohammed and Abid, it also forces them to accept whatever circumstances they find after migrating, because even before they've arrived, they're facing a huge burden of debt. The circumstances are often far worse and nothing like what they were promised back in their home country. The reason I immigrated to Qatar was for my family, that I would earn something and be able to save. Despite the duty I performed, the way I expended myself for their benefit, with the idea that if I did my work, I will get the agreed salary, I earned nothing in the end. On one hand, you feel like crying. On the other, you're upset and sad. But we were hopeful that there would be a solution to our problems, an end to the poverty which we experience. Nothing happened, except the opposite where we were deeper into further problems. Stark Security Services, a private company contracted by FIFA to provide security for the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar, hired hundreds of workers to meet the high labour demand. 
I signed an agreement with Stark for six months. The agreement for the basic salary was 2500 Qatari Riyal, with provision for food and salary. The total amount came to 2700 Qatari Riyal. They were hired in August and September 2022, but despite signing six-month contracts, immediately after the World Cup ended on the 18th of December, they were informed their contracts had been terminated and that they must leave their accommodation. On 18th December, after the final match ended, some people received the message that they have been terminated. Then a list was being circulated in a workers' group that the workers on the list will perform their duties up until the 25th of December. And so, some workers performed their duties up until the 25th, whereas others were terminated after the 19th. They were told by Stark Security if they wanted to receive the small sum of wages they had earned for the month of December, they had to sign a document saying they agreed to their employment being terminated by Stark Security. Many signed it not believing they had any other options, which left them homeless and jobless in a country that now had significantly less opportunities for work. But hundreds also refused and would not leave the accommodation until their full salary was paid. Obviously, I felt terrible because our agreement was until the end of February, not until the end of December or the 25th of December. Our agreement was till the end of February, which is what the document said. When we were terminated, we went to the labor court. There is something there called the Neaba office, where we went and fought our case for one month. During this time, the police would come to our accommodation, where we were continuing to stay. Sometimes they would stop our food. Sometimes they would stop our supply of water or remove the water containers from the bathroom so that we would get sick of this and leave the accommodation. When they stopped our food, workers would have to go to a restaurant and bear the expenses from their own savings. The police would come and register our complaints, attested on stamp paper, and then they'd throw it all in the bin. We didn't have any say because this was not our country. After a month of waiting with no resolution, the workers organized themselves. They decided to go to Stark Security's main office in Lafan Tower to negotiate the collection of their remaining salary. About 250 men put some money together to rent four buses, and on the 23rd of January 2023, they made the decision to bravely claim what was rightfully theirs. We took a bus, and when we went to the location, we did not protest. We did not hold a rally. When the workers got together and went to their office, which was in Lafan Tower, they stopped our bus and claimed that we were blocking the road, amongst other claims. In the meantime, the police and the CID arrived and they saw everything. Three Stark security guards had helped to organize everyone. Shakir Ullah, Zafar Iqbal, both from Pakistan, and Mohammed Tanvir from India. The plan was for these three to lead on negotiating with Stark security. So once the group arrived at Lafan Tower, they were the only ones who got off the bus to peacefully negotiate. Not a single other worker stepped off their bus. Stark claims that we organized a strike, but nothing of that sort happened. Every worker was sitting on the bus. We were all waiting for our three representatives to talk to Stark, and then, based on the response, we will do what the three leaders choose to do. However, when the three workers stepped off the bus, company representatives stepped in front of it and blocked it. When they blocked the road, the CID was called and the three workers were asked to sit in their car. 
They sat in their car and then our buses were asked to follow under the guise that further talks will happen where we're headed and then we would receive our salaries. So we departed and followed them happily. However, when we went there, they sent us to jail. There, they started gathering our mobile phones and our hopes disappeared. And we knew we were being deported. There, they took us to what is called jail number four in Sanaya. Even there, we didn't know what was happening. There, we thought they would speak to us, that we would receive justice, some happiness. But they took our ID, and by the time they decided to take our phones, I understood that they have arrested us and will send us back. In jail, we faced a bunch of problems. Everyone was crying. We realized the hopes that we left with, we were unable to fulfill them. And then we were deported back to our countries. While they were detained, the workers were coerced into signing documents using threats and lies. This was the same document Stark tried to get them to sign back in December, stating that they accept their termination and that the company does not owe them anything. Once we were in jail, they pressured us that if we don't agree with how Stark sees the six-month contract, Stark will permanently deport us from the GCC and that we won't be able to travel to Dubai, Qatar or Saudi Arabia. This is why our men signed the contract and were then deported. Yes, I signed everything. Everyone did. They were forcing us to. They threatened everyone that if you didn't sign these documents, you would not receive the salary for the last month. The money you're about to receive, you will not receive that either. The remainder two months were left unpaid for January and February. However, they were threatening us that they will not pay us our December wages. They forced our signatures, forced us to take money. The police station we were sitting in was not a police station. To the world, it seems like a police lines from the outside, a government institution. But everything that happened inside was by the hooliganism of Stark. They were forcing us to take the money in lieu of signing the documents. They were forcing us to sign the documents and threatening us as well. Some were saying, if you don't sign it, we will launch a case against you and this will be overlooked by human rights and you will be imprisoned for two years, five years. We have significant problems back home and my heart was scared. So I said, whatever punishment I have received is enough. Within the next few days, they were all deported, except for the three men that organized the group. Shakir Ola, Zafar Iqbal and Mohammed Tanvir were charged with six months in prison and a 10,000 Qatari Rial fine. They were sentenced according to Articles 11, 15 and 17 of Law No. 18 of 2004 related to public meetings and demonstrations. In court documents obtained by Equidem, the court claimed they destabilized the security of Qatar and created chaos. At the time of this recording, these men continue to wait out their sentence and contemplate how they'll pay off their significant fine, while the rest of the workers are back home in an even worse situation than when they had left in the first place. From the time I left for Pakistan for Qatar and until now, I have faced a myriad of problems. The problems I face today are the problems I faced a year ago, which is why I migrated to Qatar. Here, obviously, I loaned money, sold jewelry, faced many different issues and left to Qatar. I was unable to do something there and now I have returned and so my problems have doubled. I owe a lot. 
I bother to leave, that remains. I still plan to migrate. I have to do something, so my debts will be doubled. There are a lot of problems because a person takes a loan from someone, sells their land or jewelry, sells something in order to immigrate. How can one have 10 or 15 lakh Pakistani rupees just lying about in their home? Especially as these are difficult times in Pakistan. People do not have that kind of money. So I took a loan from someone so that eventually I can pay off the loan once I immigrate and do something for myself as well. However, when I came back, the situation in my home was rough because times are hard and now I have the additional burden of a loan. It has been very difficult. The workers around me have lives full of problems. The ones that were with me on the bus, in the jail, on the airline, they were all crying. They had taken on debts. Some of them had sick mothers and sisters. Some had no home. I knew one man from Char Sadda who sold his house to travel to Qatar. One man said that his father told him that he would rather have his son die in Qatar rather than return to Pakistan as his mother's daily expenses amounted to 20,000 to 30,000 Pakistani rupees because she is very sick. See what the Qatar government has done to us? For Mohammed Tayeb, Abid Ali Khan and Umar Farooq, being back home with its myriad of problems is just the tip of the iceberg. They want real action from FIFA and the government of Qatar to right the wrongs for them and so many others. We have the same expectation from FIFA, that they will look at what has happened to these workers in Qatar, the way they were treated and take action against Stark and investigate the matter as to why this happened, why the workers were treated this way. My first request is to the Qatari government to give us our right. We have been banned from Qatar, which should be lifted. I don't even feel like going to Qatar the way we have been treated, which was a violation of human rights. From FIFA, I request that action be taken against Qatar, Stark Security Services, and that our right be delivered to us from them, and that Stark be investigated further. I don't just face problems, but a country of problems. Towering mountains of problems have been raised. God willing, I have many hopes. Allah is watching over everything. I hope that all security guards that were arrested alongside me, that their rights are restored and not just that, you have to look at the financial damage because of the visa. Our demand is that the workers should receive the money they were promised from FIFA, the remainders of their salaries and the cost of the visa we had to bear. Equidem has spoken to nearly 80 former Stark Security employees from India, Pakistan, Nepal, the Gambia, Kenya and Ghana who have backed these claims, describing the dehumanizing treatment they faced while in Qatar as well as the difficulties they now endure back home. In early June of this year, Equidem helped coordinate a meeting between former Stark Security employees back in Pakistan and the Minister of Overseas Pakistanis, Sajid Hussein Touri. The purpose of the meeting was for these workers to tell their story and urge the Pakistani government to help free their former colleagues from Qatari prison. Those wronged by Stark Security are still owed compensation by FIFA and Qatar. You've been listening to Global Majority Voices, a podcast by Equidem, a global human rights organisation that's rights holder-centred and representative of the global majority. We centre marginalised communities throughout our work, ensuring projects are not extractive and hiring people from communities with lived experience of the human rights abuses we're fighting against. Jason Nemirovsky, a researcher with Equidem, produced and edited this podcast. From myself and the Equidem team, thank you until next time.